You're listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Matt Gunn, joined today by Guy Cortan. Guy, how are you? Matt, how are you? I am doing well. Well caffeinated today and excited to talk about today's topic, which is digital transformation. You know, Matt, it's one of those topics that I think has gotten a lot of press for the past, you know, really a year or two or more. And I think it's one of those really fascinating topics that, you know, if you ask 10 people in a room what digital transformation means to them or what digital means, I think you'll get 12 answers. But I think it's something that we all know and we all see on a daily basis how digital has impacted our lives, both from the consumer standpoint and the business. So I think it is absolutely a topic that is important for us to keep working on and diving in, into and trying to figure out what exactly it means. I mean, we've all heard the sayings, right? how digital is interrupting the world. And you look at the biggest hotel, air quotes, chain doesn't own any hotel rooms, right? Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the biggest mover of people, so to speak, Lyft and Uber don't own their own cars, right? All because of digital. Right. So I think we experience it on a daily basis. Right. You key in on a few really interesting things because to me, digital kind of affects both sides of it. It's not just that New services and products are changing and becoming a little bit more either digitally delivered or digitally integrated, but also the way that we interact with these things, too, as consumers at the very end. Now, it's fair to say that in our world, you know, when we're shopping for services or goods or other things, absolutely digital has changed everything. Today, I don't think so many people pick up physical newspapers, but they probably read more news. People don't buy CDs but they do listen to a lot of music. They're consuming it in a different way. They're paying for it. It changes the whole transaction. It's actually changed whole industries. Uh, Music has gone through this big change where now that the royalties of, say, a physical disc sale are gone, you're starting to see record companies produce more live events or big shows, and you're seeing more bands touring or reuniting and doing more interactive things directly with the fans as a result. It's changed all of the interactions within that world. Or in the other example that we throw out there, newspapers, right? The New York Times or or Wall Street Journal or any of those other big sources, they still have their print editions, but they also have a digital edition that's delivered every day wherever that customer is. Because that's kind it's of what even, it comes down it's to. It's not even delivered every day, Matt. I think it's, you know, we're seeing the the digitization of like the newspaper industry and the news becoming uh, ongoing every second, every minute, every hour, right? It's, you know, in the air quotes again, the old days, especially like in London or other places, right? You have like a, a morning paper and an evening paper. Why? Because, well, stuff happens during the day and you want to be out there and getting that news out there in print for people that are going home on the tube to learn about. Now it's that, that pace is truly a 24 hour 365 pace where, you know, you want to get the news out there the moment it happens, even as it's happening, you need to get it out there, whether it's through Twitter or, or your own sort of property in the digital landscape. And that, you know, that obviously creates a whole host of unintended consequences, right? Where do you still have to go and have two to three sources to verify a story? Maybe, maybe not. But I think it's, it's to your point, I think it, it absolutely, it's one great example of how digital has truly transformed and changed not only the way information is, is shared, but how it's consumed and also the expectation of consumption, right? Right. And there's so much more immediacy too. It's so much more immediacy. And the reality is it's it's almost now we try to find new angles and new stories because we have to, right? Because we need the clickbait. So I think it's we as consumers in the business world, I think this is just one example. 
but I think it absolutely has changed the dynamics of a lot of what we're seeing in terms of the way, you know, retailers work, the way supply chains function, manufacturers, things like that. And I think it's something that, you know, there's the exciting part about it and the fearful part about it is we don't even know what we don't know yet. Yeah, there's the million dollar question that we get to is, is where to start. But yeah, as you were saying, I think that immediacy plays a big factor there. The expectations are completely different now as a result. And when you can't deliver at the speed of those expectations, that really messes up some potential things on the back end, in the supply chain, in your business, in the B2B world. Right. I would imagine that while it is scary to go on this journey because it requires investment, yep. it requires time, patience, and learning new skills and new systems. And learning things as an adult is hard. <laughs> right. Right. It, it, the, we have know, our habits as adults. Yeah, jumping right. off that bridge is tough. So let's talk a little bit about something that we've been working on because you and I have been living in this world for some time yeah. now and, and a lot and our, of And our customers are. have been living in this world, right? And the customers and, and the prospects and the industries that we work in, I think, have absolutely been living in this time and they themselves have been trying to figure out, you know, what do they do in this world, this unknown, right? What do they do? I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot and, and we've, you know, and it's not us. I mean, we, we see this in academic thinking and others is the compression of time in terms of adoption of new technologies and digital has become more and more compressed. I think I saw there's an interesting study in HBR and I think people, a lot of people have seen this. And if I'm thinking out, you know, off the top of my head, what it was is basically shows the maturity curves for things like electricity and televisions and cars and things like that. And you look at the time frame it took for the ubiquity of like electricity to come. It took, you know, like 80 years. Smartphones, it took like four years, right? So absolutely this compression of time because of digital is forcing all the customers that we talk to on a regular basis and those that we would like to talk to in the industries we work in to really scramble and to really force themselves to think about this thing, about this digital maturity model, right? Like how, how do they know they're progressing down the right path? How do they know that they're getting where they need to be? So, yeah, that's a great point. And yes, I mean, it almost sounds cliche now to say uh, the pace of change is only speeding up, but it really has. So it only increases the pressure on adopting that change, on Correct. where to begin and all of those other kinds of things. If we're looking at that maturity model type of landscape, and if we take you know, for truth that digital transformation is not something where you just flip a switch and you're done, right. that it is a journey, it's it a is. process, where is it that you begin and sort of how do you measure yourself or how do you know that you're making progress. What are some of the underlying technologies and what are some of the end outcomes that you're trying to get to? We've come up with sort of a four-step model for this, right? And, and I don't think this is, I sort of want to couch this by saying, you know, these are big topics and I think different companies and even different departments within companies are going to go at different paces. But I do think this model sort of gives some basic road signs, if you will, or landmarks to figure out, hey, are we on the right path? So, you know, we'll, I'll go through the four very quickly, and then we can sort of dive in a little bit to each one. But I think it's 
a lot of this stuff, I think, when you think about it, makes, you know, it's pretty common sense. It's just hard to get to. And the first one is always, you know, inside your own four walls, right? We still hear a lot from the companies we deal with and a lot of the, the folks we look at is that they still have issues where interoperability within their enterprise is still an issue. So, for example, so I talked to actually once a large consumer products company that produced liquids, juices, if you will, name shall remain nameless, but a large brand name that produced juices. And, and it was interesting because their supply chain team that was responsible for fulfilling or for shipping pallets of juices to different retailers and their marketing team, who was responsible for doing promotions and things like that, actually had a hard time communicating. So marketing would do you know, a, a BOGO deal at a large retailer for, for a special, for, you know, for Memorial Day weekend. And the supply chain team sometimes didn't even know about it until that retailer would call them and say, hey, where's my product? So just inside the four walls of the business, there's already opportunity to create much more connectivity through digital. I think when we go to the next stage, we start looking outside of the four walls, right? We start looking at the supply chain side, right? The network supply chain. That's something I know we talk a lot about, but it's absolutely one of the stages that I think is becoming more important to really get to this digital maturity model because now all of a sudden you need to be able to have synchronicity, if you will, across all your supply chain. And the basic level, I think, is just communication, right? Where's my stuff? When am I going to get paid? Where is it moving? You know, are there shortfalls coming? We go to the third stage. Now we're, we, let's say we solve that. Now we go to the third stage. Now we start to get, you know, I would say an advanced move, right? We're getting somewhere where we can actually start pulling in or looking at demand signals from the consumer, right? From the customer, whether we're B2B or B2C, at some point we are able to look at that customer and take their digital footprint or, you know, their digital signals, if you will, and have that feedback into our connected supply chain. And that sounds easy, but it's really not, right? Because a lot of times that digital signal, for the most part, is an after-the-fact signal. What I mean by that is, you know, Matt Gunn walks into a store to buy a new pair of jeans. I don't get that signal until you have made the transaction. And sometimes I might not even get it for a while because I might batch that data up and then send right. it in. You got to run reports. Right. You got to run the TPS once reports. Once a week, once a month. Right. Exactly. So, so the Matt Gunn might have bought a pair of jeans and I only get that signal a week later. Right. I think that stage three level is where not only do I get the signal, obviously, when you've made the purchase, but can I start picking up signals that you're going to make the purchase? Right. I think that's an advanced move. And stage four, which is beyond an advanced move, it's where all of a sudden now we start taking things like predictive analytics, business intelligence, some you know artificial intelligence, some science to it, and we become, I and mean, we've talked about this a lot, this has been a big topic that's been around for a while, but predictive analytics, but if we have a true digital network, if we have a true digital supply chain, if we are truly digitally mature, we're not... You know, we're almost, I don't want to say predict, we're not predicting because that's, this might sound too arrogant, but we're beyond prediction. We're actually, we have like 99% accuracy of the forecast, right? We're relevant. We're immediate. We are aligned with our customers. We're aligned with customer. our suppliers and our factories and all of our other business partners. Exactly. And the whole thing hums together, right? So if, again, that example of if, you know, Matt Gunn's going to buy a pair of jeans and I am at stage four. I already know that before you do it. But not only do I know it, but I have instant visibility through my whole supply chain to know if I can fulfill that order. And that goes all the way back potentially to 
the raw material that goes into the denim to know I have enough capacity in my supply chain to make that fulfill order and to satisfy the Matt Gunn's needs. And even potentially down the road, not down the road, but at, at this level is maybe the fulfillment isn't, you know, when you walk into the store to buy the jeans, maybe I know for you, the fulfillment is you walk in the store to look at the new styles and one you pick we're going to have it at your house or maybe we're going to have it at your office or, you know, Hey, down the road, we already tapped into, you know, your iPhone X and we know that you have a trip to, you know, Sarasota, Florida next week. Maybe we can now, because we have this digital model of the supply chain and I have a distribution center that's close to there. And I know that maybe you want the jeans for that trip. I'm not going to even send them to your home. I'm going to have them waiting for you in your hotel room. Well, it saves me some room in the suitcase. Too. Saves you some room in the suitcase, and and you know, it's it's all it's it's all goodness. So this sounds a little bit science fiction, but at the same time, we are already starting to see some companies move beyond mass customization into full personalization. It's happening around the edges. It's happening in very small sets. It's very costly, but it's starting to happen because there is demand. But all of this is a big change again it's a huge change and these stages and again i you know we walk through them pretty quickly and you know sort of shameless promo we also have a white paper that's out there which will go into deeper depth but these are you know this is science fictiony but you know science fiction i remember watching the running man and the running man actually happens in 2017 so it happens now mm-hmm and it's interesting, that's science fiction, obviously. And, and one of the science fiction parts of the movie, other, you know, a lot of it is obviously dated. But one of the parts, which now is reality, is one of the main characters, the main female character in the movie, walks into her apartment and it's like, lights on. You know, talks to the house, turn the lights on, run my coffee. We already have that, right? So, yes, it might look science fiction-y, but I think when we allow ourselves to envision what the digital supply chain might look like, when we reach a certain point where, you know, whether you believe some of the statistics, we're going to have 50 billion connected devices by 2020, you can start allowing yourself to believe into that science fiction because we are going to have a lot more aspects of our supply chains connected. A lot of the problems we've had with supply chain will potentially be diminished because of connectivity. You know, I would argue one of the biggest issues of supply chain in the past is really about visibility. It's about connectivity, right? Why am I forecast wrong? Because I can't see into my suppliers and I can't see into the supplier suppliers. If I can start seeing air quotes again, if I have more visibility into that, does that, that now gives me more accuracy into stuff. If I can see where all my, my inventory is moving in real time on the network and know when there's going to be shortages or when there's going to be something coming in sooner than later, I can start doing better things and I don't need to carry safety stock and buffer right. stock and all that. So it is science fiction, but some science fiction becomes reality. And I think if we look at this digital stuff, we can, I think, envision where it's not as science fictiony as some other stuff. That's a good point. You traditionally would rather overplan than underdeliver, especially with companies that have big seasonal sales cycles or really depend on lead time to get products to the market. But if you're tightening all those things up within the supply chain, within your organization, all of a sudden you're getting a little bit closer to that world. Now, okay, let's take a step back. So you've identified four stages, intra-enterprise visibility, networked supply chain, 
being customer integrated, and then all the way to predictive. You interact with a lot of customers or with a lot of businesses within you know, the retail, fashion, consumer products industry, and even in logistics. Where would you say most companies are today within this sort of framework? You know, unfortunately, I would say most of them are still stuck at stage one. And maybe that's self-serving for mm-hmm. us, but I think that's reality. And I think people who are listening to this, I think do a, you know, do an honest assessment of where you are. I think most are still in stage one. I think some have come into stage two or started to do that where they're starting to get more visibility. So I absolutely think stage two is accessible for a lot of the customers I speak to. Some are already somewhat there, but no one has, you know, truly gotten, in my opinion, to stage three and definitely not to stage four. And again, stage four may be a little bit more science fiction-y down the road, but I think it's something that people need to strive for. Again, I think that advanced sort of companies that have gotten ahead of this stuff are, are into stage two, but haven't completely done it. And I guess part of it too, I think we need to also remember is just because you get to one stage doesn't mean that you can sort of, I don't want to say ignore, but sort of think your work is done with a prior stage, right? Because it always, like inter-enterprise visibility, I think is something that is always has to be worked on because a lot of times, you know, you just look at companies that are doing M&As, right? Or expanding into new territories or having a new business operation, right? No company stays static in and of itself. So there always has to be this constant, you know, assessment of our ability to do cross-departmental communication. Right. And the bigger the that. company that you get, the more global your presence, the, the more the com- offices, the more offices have, and, more people and, in the field, the harder it is to really, truly connect, to break down those silos. Right. So that is a lot of work. My last question, I think, from there would yeah. be, what's the mix? So some of this stuff comes down to skills, right? Yep. And the things that you transform within your own practices and processes to align your people. Right. But- if we make this transformation, obviously you can't do it all with your old systems or with on-premise right. or things like that. But do you completely have to rip and replace or can you start to mix and match and start to break yeah. silos and start to make this journey with in a reasonable scope that allows you to you know, keep the lights going? Yeah. No, and I think it's it's one of those things where you know the, the reality is this, right? And then a lot of times if you could start with a fresh slate – then that would be ideal. But that is true science fiction. Mm-hmm. That is not possible, right? That That is, I mean, we're sitting here in New York City and you just look at the infrastructure here. It's like, well, we like a new subway system? Absolutely. <laughs> Seven not gonna, years later. Right. It's not going <laughs> to happen. So let's, you know, let's not even waste time arguing whether we wanted, would we want like a high speed, tra- let's just simply a high speed train from LaGuardia to downtown New York? Absolutely. How fantastic would that be? But it's not reality. It's not going to happen. So let's not even you know dream about that, so to speak. Well, maybe it will happen. But anyways, you get the point. So I think rip and replace off the table. That's not that's not a reality. That's not a, a viable strategy to start with. What we have to do, what we see with our clients and our prospects, and I've seen this in general, is you know you got to figure out what you have. You got to work with what you have. You got to understand where you can enhance the existing systems you have. Are there going to be certain systems that you take out and put a new system in? Absolutely. But you're not ripping and replacing the whole infrastructure to start from scratch. You just can't. It's impossible to do so. However, you need to figure out some areas where it is strategic to do so. Do you do that? And is it worth the sort of the pain to do it? Like back to the New York example, they're not shutting down LaGuardia, but they're redoing it. So there's a lot of pain involved because it's an 
aging airport, which needs upgrades. And it's going to be painful for the near future. But at some point, hopefully that airport will be up to 1980 standards. But, <laughs> yeah, there's a pride here, but yes, it's, it's not a great airport. I get it. But it's, again, I think for a lot of the companies and most of the companies you talk to, really it's an opportunity to reassess what they have, figure out what they need, put together an action plan, understand that you're going to have to change some technology or bring some new technology in, think about the whole network concept, think about digital visibility, how does that work. Absolutely, technology is going to be an integral part of this, but so is culture, right? So is the internal culture of your business to accept this and to do it. And to understand that part of it too is, and I think this is the part that's very important, is activity begets activity, right? This is not a a three-year plan where we do things for three years in, in the back room and all of a sudden, poof, you're digitally enabled, right? No, this is a incremental change that happens on a daily basis with the hope to get to more transformative changes down the road, but understanding that all these actions we take in today are going to build for the future. But it's really, I think, you know, it is start acting. Don't be afraid to fail. And hopefully you don't become like LaGuardia. <laughs> all right. You hear it here, folks. For that full report, shoot us an email at scr.podcast at infor.com. It'll also be available for digital download at gtnexus.com and infor.com. Thank you again for listening to Supply Chain Radio. My name is Matt Gunn, and for Geek or Dan, uh, we appreciate you going on to iTunes or your favorite podcast network, hitting that subscribe button and even leaving a review. Thanks for listening. 